Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today we have back again on the podcast, Jonathan Tremaine Thomas. This is the second time he's joined us. He is the founder of Civil Righteousness, and he's been involved in the prayer movement for a number of years. Uh, excited to chat with him again for a few minutes today. If you're new here, uh, just a reminder, the podcast exists to equip present center communities to worship and pray night and day. So this is for worshipers, intercessors, leaders, and lovers of Jesus who are connected to houses of prayer, burn 24-7 furnaces, praying churches and groups. And uh, if this podcast is an encouragement to you, uh, please share this with your communities, share it on social media, anything you can do to get the word out to like and to comment, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, any of those kinds of things help uh, the podcast grow, help the message get out. And ultimately, it just strengthens the prayer and worship movement, which is what we want to do. So you can subscribe uh, in your podcast app or on YouTube or email. Uh, all of those links are on our website, which is at podcast.presencepioneers.org. So you can stay connected with us there and uh, view all of our previous episodes and learn more about our ministry. All right, JT, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So glad to be back. Awesome. Last time, if you missed the previous episode, be sure to go check it out. JT shared some of his story, uh, amazing uh, journey he's been on, been involved in the prayer movement, Houses of Prayer, the call with Lou Engel. Uh, God supernaturally led him to Ferguson, Missouri in the midst of the crisis, and he shared some testimonies of uh, how God showed up powerfully as they set up a tent of worship and prayer and, and literally became intercession and stood in the gap in the middle of the crisis, brought the presence of God and the peace of God uh, into that situation. It's amazing. So you've been there almost five years now yes. in Ferguson, JT. Just what's been happening since that crisis? Uh, maybe just just kind of catch us up over the last four or five years. Yeah, so I ended up uh, becoming, joining the staff of a multicultural church um, in St. Louis, uh, while moving, you know, our family, buying a home in Ferguson. And, uh, you know, it's been a city that's been uh, really searching for a new identity, trying to move forward from the pain of everything that happened when a young man there was shot and killed by a police officer. And uh, what we've really been uh, focused on doing is um, doing what Jeremiah did. The judgments of God came on the land. And then God instructed the prophet Jeremiah to buy the land and to buy it as a prophecy of the coming restoration. And what I really believe is that, you know, for many years, uh, the church has not had a, a way to marry or not known or been mature enough to really marry our theology with our sociology. That mm. Isaiah 61, the, pro the proclaiming of liberty to the captives is one thing, but then it says, bind up the brokenhearted. And we've not known how to access the healing balm that, that flows from the throne room of God in the gospel uh, in order to heal the generational wounding that uh, has occurred, not only within black and minority communities in America, 
But all of us, if you're a part of majority culture, there are these kind of pathologies of oppression, ways of thinking, worldview um, that that we've inherited. In, in some senses in America, we've inherited a hangover uh, from history. And mm-hmm. so over the last four or five years, God has kind of been expanding. And I didn't really ask for it, but he began to give me a platform in helping the body of Christ understand the 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 importance and the significance of getting uh, healing in this area and getting right revelation concerning God's heart for the nations, because the entire Bible is about the nations and God's inheritance in the nation of the earth. And furthermore, the issue of racism is not just a political or structural or systemic issue. It's actually a foundational issue to the beauty of God. It's actually yeah. foundational to who Jesus is and, and the church understanding and growing up into the fullness of, of the head, which is Christ. So um, God has really given us a platform to engage the church and to help leaders and help, uh, you know, just the, the, the believer begin to grasp why is God making this an issue? Not just man and culture and, you know, humanism and all these different things. But God himself has a controversy with his people concerning how we love one another. And John 17, the last prayer of Jesus, if it was his last prayer, then that means it's an emphasis uh, that we would actually walk out and walk in oneness as one new man. So this has been our real focus and thrust ministry and messaging wise is, you know, the world's going to do what the world does. They need peacemakers. Uh, we've been tossed the baton of the ministry of reconciliation, not just reconciling man to man, um, but reconciling man to God and reconciling man's histories to God. How do we find God in the midst and the, the pain of this fragmented human history? So this has been a real thrust and focus for us. But now we're also looking at how do we do the rest of Isaiah 61, which says, after the, 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 the hearts have been healed and bound up, you know, the, the brokenhearted, it says, then you will restore the streets with dwellings. They will restore the streets with dwellings. Uh, they will rebuild cities and, re- and raise up the desolations of many generations. Even ruined cities would be restored. And in America, in North America, some of the most uh, impoverished and ruined and desolate areas in major cities in America actually got that way through race riots. Ironically, Detroit, mm-hmm. East St. Louis, uh, you can go through the gamut of, of American history and see that some of the most devastated communities got that way either through race riots or through uh, racism-based legislation uh, that caused separation and disparities and all those different things. So we're looking at physically restoring and repairing the land uh, by buying the land, starting businesses, raising up priestly, creative, missional communities uh, yeah. that are transformative, and then releasing people from those communities to do the transformative work in the nations. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what's developed as civil righteousness, which is which is what as of the beginning of this year, 2020, is what you're now doing full time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, just a quick phrase is Jesus, yeah. Jesus's justice agenda. It, justice is a part of his nature, but 
justice with righteousness is the foundation of his throne. So right. sometimes even in political arenas, conservative values emphasize the moral righteousness. Um, and uh, sorry about that noise. That's okay. <laughs> and then uh, on, on the left, you, you have people who emphasize justice and, and equity. But what we're convicted is that iniquity or sin uh, or inequity, injustice requires a rights-based movement, civil rights, but iniquity uh, demands a righteousness movement. And that's the vanguard of the church. So okay. internal transformation that leads to external reformation. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I would love to, to hear your heart on how worshipers intercessors how do we how do we engage in this better in, in the 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 pursuit of justice i think about that passage in amos 5 where it says actually away with the noise of your songs you know but let justice you know flow down like a river and and that's always challenged me as a worshiper as a musician as somebody in the prayer movement year for years now going gosh i i don't want like that's one of the few times the bible actually says to stop singing you know to not to stop doing the praise and worship. But uh, it, it's, this is obviously something that's near to God's heart. I think a lot of people, they're, we're praying for justice. You know, Luke 18, we're crying out day and night for justice, which is which is important. But then it goes, then, then what? You know, I think I feel that, and I've kind of encountered that with other people I've talked to. Um, any, any word to praying groups, intercessors, uh, you know, how, how do we make this practical? You know what I mean? Well, what do we do? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Isaiah 58 makes it very practical. Isaiah 58 says, is this not the fast that we have chosen? And and it's really a a rebuke and exhortation to uh, those who love to preach before the Lord. I believe it's a direct exhortation to the the prayer movement, the prayer and worship movement, because he 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 says, 
You love to worship me. You love to spend time in my presence. You love to cry out for justice and all these different things, he says. But, you know, you need to spend yourself. He said, well, for one, he says, you leave the prayer meeting and it says you don't take away the yoke from your midst, the slandering, Mm -hmm. the accusing and the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness. So it's one thing it shuts down. One reason why our prayers don't get answered quickly is because we we worship together, then we leave and we slander one another because of our political views or or whatever, you know, um, and that actually grieves the Holy Spirit and negates everything we just did. The second thing he says, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the poor, if you visit me in prison, if you clothe me when I'm when I need clothing, if you feed me when I'm hungry, then your light will break out like the dawn. So sometimes what if revival hinges on not only just the worship and prayer and hosting the presence of God there, but we say we're going to host the presence of God in the way we love someone who doesn't think like us or look like us. We're going to host his presence. We're going to, we're going to shower our enemies or those people that we are afraid of or that we don't understand or we don't get. We are going to spend ourselves on their behalf. We're going to serve them and love them the way Jesus does. And then God looses, boom, supernatural grace and glory and light breaks Mm. off. And I think Micah, uh, uh, I believe it's Micah. uh, Sorry, I'm having a a mind blank right now. But in Micah, it talks about uh, walking. I've got this scripture on my my wall. I can't think of the Six, eight, maybe. Yeah, Micah six, eight. There we go. Uh, Walk humbly. Act so. Act justly. Do justice. Um, walk humbly, and then love mercy. And the, I think doing acts of justice is a lot easier. You can go feed somebody. You can go close somebody. You can buy somebody a meal. Those things are easy. Mm. But what's really really hard is to walk humbly. That means being teachable. That means actually sitting with somebody who might, you know, have a legitimate grievance. Uh, maybe not even with you personally, but with somebody that looks like you, but you actually becoming like Jesus as an intercessor. Jesus Mm. was completely innocent. He didn't own a slave, but he became a slave. And so for those who go, well, why are you accusing me? I never owned slaves. My family's too poor. But to become like Jesus, if it brings healing to that other person, are you willing to become an intercessor in that moment like Jesus and say, you know what? I am guilty. I owned you. I'm, I'm the one who did it, you know, and vice versa as a, as a minority, to become humble, you know, to walk humbly and not speak and, and move in that spirit of accusation, but to actually say, you know what, I, I want to sit down with somebody who I know is racist or somebody who I know is ignorant, and I want them to tell me all the reasons why they're justified in their viewpoint, and then I'm going to bless them. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to bless them. And then the final thing is to love mercy, which is what that is, is to be merciful, can we be merciful with one another? And I think that's um, that that those are some practical ways. I think uh, again, engaging internally with what are the the ways where I'm I have not been like Christ in this arena. Yeah, that's so good. I love it, man. I, I would love to uh, love to jump back to the racism issue just for the last few minutes here. Uh, you said racism is spiritual. I've heard you kind of talk about that before, and I know it's probably a lot to get into. But I, w- I would love to uh, get your thoughts on, you know, obviously the church is still very divided, segregated. Um, 
which I know goes back to history of when they couldn't actually gather together. And now people just kind of continue to go along with it in many places um, and continue to not gather together. And we have white churches and black churches and it, and some of that's changing, but it's still not where it needs to be. In my opinion, right. uh, doesn't look like heaven, the every tribe, tongue and nation doesn't look, many of our churches don't reflect the communities that they're in, in terms of the diversity. Um, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina right now, which is, you know, and many of the churches are still, still segregated despite, you know, it being, you know, maybe 40% African American and 60% white or something like that. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, I just wanted to share also, I had this experience, uh, in our prayer room in Greenville years ago where we were doing an all night burn or something. And the room was pretty full, but I looked right up at the front and the, there were three young black worshipers just worshiping their hearts out right up front, mm-hmm. just going for it. And I think, you know, a couple of them were probably students at ECU. And I just felt the Lord just say, this is what it's going to look like, um, that, that, that God was going to raise up young black worshipers that were going to be on the forefront of the prayer movement. And so that really provoked me and it stayed with me to this day. And, uh, and, and the truth is a lot of what we call the prayer movement is, uh, is very white, yeah. uh, and, and is not fully, um, come together with, uh, a lot of the, the churches that are predominantly black. And so anyway, I'm throwing a lot of things out there at you, yeah. uh, but I'd love to hear your voice in uh, your perspective on this. What can we as the prayer movement do? I love seeing some of the young leaders God's raising up that we know we had Nico Peel on the podcast, yeah. uh, like Brian wow. Williams in Columbus and Tori Harper in New York city. And like Ollie Farrell, like these young you know, black leaders that God's raising up in the prayer movement. It's, it's amazing. I think it's really important, but I, I just feel, have this sense that we're not there yet. And, and there's still things we need to do to move forward. What would you say that we can do to move forward on this issue and continue to grow so that it's all that God wants it to be? Well, I think we have to recognize our distinctives and celebrate them. Um, but don't let our distinctives become points of division. And hunger for God trumps cultural ex, uh, expression and, and cultural preference. So one reason why the church is really divided in our worship styles and everything is just because it's like, well, I don't prefer that kind of music or that kind of expression. But right. real hunger for Jesus totally transcends that. And the bottom line is we cannot experience fullness until we're in until we experience it together. Every culture has a sound and a frequency, and those sounds have to, they create a symphony when they merge in one global salvation song. And uh, I, I think, you know, th- when we talk about spirit, the, the spiritual nature of even racism, you know, there are powers and principalities over geographic regions, cities and regions that um, can only be unseated through the multi-ethnic ecclesia. So it's an act of war when Come when on. a black uh, when black folks and Latinos and Asians get in the same room together and they begin to worship. You are putting on the earth, breaking through the the powers of darkness and the, the spiritual forces of wickedness. You are pulling down a heavenly reality. 
that shakes and causes demons to vacate. It's a, it's an act of war. And if we don't, if we don't get it, that's why there's so much resistance because we do that suddenly, uh, the, the atmosphere of whole cities begin to shift. And so this is, this is key to us, uh, to understand that God is, has released the, the authority of, 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 uh, of actually unseating these powers to the church and to the church alone. The legislative stuff has to happen, but really it's the worship leaders. And this is actually unto the salvation of Israel. In Zephaniah 3, it says that from beyond the rivers of Cush or Ethiopia, the daughter of my dispersed ones, the diaspora, um, uh, it says the African diaspora, they will bring me an offering. What kind of offering are we to bring? We're going to bring a worship offering. Then it says, then you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame. Mm. So it's actually the, 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 Afri- the praise that God uh, deposited and forged in the furnace of slavery and hardship in those of African descent is actually unto the redemption of Israel. And wow. so it says all the, in Isaiah 60, all the nations are going to bring their wealth or bring their offering up to Mount Zion. So this is like an end time reality of this great worship procession that leads to the enthronement of Jesus and and, and the blessing of of Israel eternally. Like, so this is like really serious, you know, we got to understand this. And so how do we, how do we do it? Is we begin to intentionally say, you know what? I can't sing like that black person. You know what? I can't play the guitar like, the electric guitar like that, like Matthew Lilly, you know, <laughs> but we need one another because yeah, this comes unto fullness unto the return of Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. That's a, such a different perspective from the noisiness of the culture, the cultural yeah. narrative around this issue that is so low level in yeah. many ways, but to get God's perspective on it. I love the, the reality of that be, bringing heaven to earth. I mean, that's why we pursue day and night worship and prayer it's because it's the reality of heaven, and we're doing it on earth. Uh, but if we don't have the every tribe tongue part of it, then you know we're we're not there yet. And so that's amazing perspective, man. We're out of time. This has been amazing. Thank you so oh, much, JT. So glad to be here. Thank you. So for people that want to connect with you, civil righteousness, you have a website that they can go to or anything like that. Absolutely, you can connect on our website, civilrighteousness.org. We also have an app that we're populating with content, teaching, curriculum, podcasts, videos uh, that's downloadable through the the iTunes uh, App Store or Google Play, Stitch, uh, uh, Stitcher, all of those. Um, So, and it's called Civil Righteousness as well. Amazing. Awesome. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes as well. So, Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed it, again, please consider sharing it with your friends or on social media. And uh, as always, you can subscribe, stay connected with us, and visit our website at presencepioneers.org. Thanks again. God bless. Mm